Blog Talk Radio. See ham on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh boy, CDP, see the phenol. Hey, you. My name is Jermaine, and uh, today is a very special day for me, uh, real big day. Opening day of college football season is here, FCS Showcase, Montana, North Dakota State. 
got special guests in the studio. But first off, we're going to start off with, with a weekly devotional that I like to do. So here we are. And this was from Psalms 78 and 53. He guided them safely, so they were unafraid, but the sea engulfed their enemies. The word for today is the devotional by United Christian Broadcasters, and it says, In the wilderness, you get to know God in a way you never knew him before. So what did Israel need in survive what did Israel need to survive in the wilderness? Food. Someone calculated if it would have taken about 26 wagon loads of food to feed that many Israelites a day. The problem is there were no trains and no tracks, but they had something much better. God. For 40 years he delivered manna, the perfect food, to the doors of the tents. The supply was according to each family's individual need and God never missed a day. If the economy has you feeling anxious and wondering whether whether or not God can take care of you, take care of you, this is a word for you today. God may not give you everything you want, but He will give you everything that you need. The God we serve doesn't suffer from lack or in limitation. The psalmist says, "I have been young, and now I am old; yet I have not seen the righteous or forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread." The old country preacher got it right when he said, where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. Think of it. For 40 years, Israel never missed a meal or went without. And their God is your God. So put your trust in him and stop worrying. And that was the devotional for today. We're going to take a quick station break, and we'll be right back with a special guest.
Welcome back into the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being here. And Scott's a very, very special guest with us today. He's an Auburn legend. A um, couple things about this guy. Played, played in Auburn, four years ago at Auburn. Since he's All-American uh, in Auburn. First, first player to be a consensus All-SEC at both punter and kicker. First guy to ever be a finalist for the Ray Guy and the Groza Award the same season. Um, career average at Auburn, 44 yards a punt, 61% kicking uh, percentage at Auburn. A um, little bit of tidbits and information for you. He played, he was the kicker at the first game, played in Tuscaloosa in over 100 years, and he scored all nine points in that game. Um, and he's also one of my contemporaries. He's also, I consider him a friend now. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Damon Duvall. Damon, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Thank you all for having me. It's a lovely day to be able to come out and conversate about some football. ready for the season to finally get here. It's been a long off season. Uh, finally, for it to come back around. It's very fit. I'm glad that you're here. And thanks for being here. And Let's just jump into it first off. I want to go Great Cup years because you played seven years in the, in the CFL. Played in five Great Cups and you won two of back-to-back. You played with some legends like Ryan Chu, Ben Cahoon, Anthony Calvillo, and guys like that. Does that even compare to what you did in College and high school, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely does. You know, I, I'll go on the record by far. Anybody ever asked me when was my favorite time of playing football? Well, of course, that was here on the plains at Auburn. And reason why is that it was family, the fans, the respect, the you know, the school, just what you got when you walked in that stadium. Um, you know, so by far my best playing years were college. It wasn't about a paycheck. It wasn't about a job. About uh, going out, playing for pride, playing for the guy next to you, and and really enjoying the spirit of the game. Um, but on a different level, when you're playing up there, and it is a business, you know, guys like you just mentioned, Anthony Cabello, Brian Chu, 
you know, all future Hall of Famers in the CFL, um, to be able to be in that locker room with those guys and, and see the type of work every day, um, you really gained a, a good value. And I was very fortunate to be with one team for that many years. That, that doesn't happen too often. So, you know, from coming from my rookie year and 05, growing with those guys, you know, it, for myself, a growing experience, seeing the evolution. Like you said, being able to go to five great cups in my first five years of playing mm-hmm. and fortunate enough to win two of them in 2009 and 2010 back-to-back, which was great because going into that 2010 year, those guys were about to retire. They were on their, their way out. And, you know, what what a great send-off that was to see their faces. Everybody asked me, you know, you were the hero of the game. You, you kicked the game-winning field goal. Me, it wasn't. They were the I, I would have felt such a depression if I went out and couldn't win that game for all the hard work those guys put in. And the ironic thing about you actually got a second chance. Yep. And um, there was 13 men on the field. And I remember this game because I actually watched this game. I actually watched the game live. Montreal was so flat in the first two and a half quarters of that game. And I think the Jamel Richardson catch really turned the tide in that game. And then there was a defensive stop. And then the 13th man, of course. When you look back and you go into McMahon, every time you go into McMahon, you played in some rivalry games there. What's the first thing you think about when you go into McMahon Stadium after that after that great couple? You know, it's a funny thing. I was actually fortunate enough to uh, be back there here recently. Oh, it's just a great feeling. Being able to look around and know what we accomplished, not only personally, but as a team going in there where, you know, we pulled together, we stuck through it. It was a tough game. There was times there where, you know, back of your mind was like, wow, this this thing's over. We're not going to – I think we I don't know how many point favorite going in the game, but you know, that's why you play the game. I, you know, that's why I tell everybody, you know, everything you can look on paper and read books about what's supposed to happen, but you know, if you went by that, why would you play the game? You know, that's why you go out and play the game. And we came together with less than two minutes of that game, and like you said, we went out, got first down. We had to get a stop. Um, we actually almost fumbled the punt on our game-winning drive, so mm-hmm. I think it was ATM Boulay um, who recovered because if, if he doesn't hop on that, it's their ball right, game right. over. Um, and then the catch was Jamal Richardson. And just being able to move, getting in range. Um, but going to that stadium, you know, great, great feeling. You know, we always play great cup in September. So it's always cold, snows on the ground, um, you know, minus, minus temperatures. And, uh, so it's definitely a, a different avenue when you start getting later in the I said, go back into your career, rookie year, 191. That was a rookie record. Then a couple of years later, set set the record kickers. You know, 242. That's just in the regular season. I mean, the part of history. I think that I also, I'm what I read, also top 10 on average. In the career, the film. You still got it. I mean, 
young, you still got it. And I just can't believe that I'm actually sitting here with a guy that I wanted to be, I wanted to emulate. I mean, there were so many kickers that I that I tried to emulate. One of them, Phil Dawson was another, and Jeff Hall was another. Those were like you, you three guys were like the guys that I actually just looked up to, wanted to be like. What was your avenue to playing football? I mean, I know that you had the, the professional soccer career at thirteen, things that nature. But what really got you into football? Um, to be honest, like you said, soccer is my my number one love, and soccer still to this day, I'll admit, is still my number one love. It, it's always been there in my heart. I grew up that that was it. I actually played one year when I was thirteen years old. I played football, tackle football for my friends. I fell in love with it, and I did the NFL punt pass and kick competition, which I was fortunate enough to do the finals. Got to go to the Pro Bowl, and be in the finals there. And that's where it kind of it ignited. You know, I got to see you know, all these great athletes that I saw on TV, got up front and personal. You know, got got to be around a lot of humble people. Um, you know, and But I still continue to play soccer until my, my sophomore year in high school, I remember Coach Collier, who was a football coach, came up to me. You know, I, I know you can kick a foot, uh, soccer ball a long ways and hard. Have you ever thought about coming out and play football? And I looked at him. I told him, you know, I thought about it. And you know, I had a lot of friends that were playing on the team, and they got in my ear the next couple of days. And I went up to them, you know what, I, I want to give it a shot. So, And that's how it started. So my sophomore year, I, I handled all the kicking with kickoff, punting, and, and, and field goals. I was all city and had a great year. Surprisingly, after that year, I remember going up to Coach Collier and said, you know what, Coach, I had a great time. It was fun, but I think I'm going to – that's going to be it, and you know, I'm going to go back to soccer. And he looked at me and said, well, you did so well, and you got a shot to do this. You know, future-wise, why would you want to quit? He said, you know, you know what, Coach, I get to see all my friends around here running around hitting people, and I go kick football and walk off the field. So, <laughs> He said, well, what do we got to do to get you back out next year? I said, well, maybe I'll just try out for some different positions. It'll go forward, though, but next year I was our, our starting strong safety, played some receiver, returned punts, and did a lot of things that got me involved. And, and I think that's what also led to you know, when I did get to college. I believe it allowed me to earn a lot of respect from the players that I was around because I just wasn't your – typical kicker that was going to go out, kick the ball, leave the field, and, you know, if somebody was returning the ball, pull the kicker die. You know, I hated somebody returning the ball. That was my biggest pet peeve. Um, so, you know, it allowed that, I think, that competition side of me that I hated to lose. And I still that way today. I don't care if it's cards, if we're seeing <laughs> who can throw a rock closest to the tree. I don't want to lose. And, and I think that, that attitude carried over. Um, now, it might have gotten me in a little trouble when I first started at Auburn. You know, everybody's going to remember the Tennessee game with Tuberville. And, you know, unfortunately, media made that out to be a lot bigger. That was actually, you know, we went down at halftime of that game, and we squashed that and was going forward. Um, right. You know, but I think a lot of that had to do because I, I did have that. I wouldn't say I was cocky, but I had that attitude. I didn't want to do that. No matter what I was doing, I wanted to do 100% be the best out of that. Um, and, you know, it goes from learning. You know, a lot of, even you look now, and a lot of players mess up when they're young, and people say, ah, oh, they should 
me off the team and them throw them, do this. And, you know, people got to understand these are, you know, I started when I first set foot on campus, I was 17 years old. Um, you know, these are 17, 18 years old that in the eye of the public and media are treated like they're 23 or right off the bat. And, you know, it isn't. Um, do I agree with a lot of decisions that I made or that they're going to make and things that happen? No, but you got to understand that they're young. They're they're stepping to a spotlight where millions of people and you know college, especially college football, it is a business. I I I will sit here and say it's a business. They're making a lot of money off players that unfortunately don't deserve a lot of the respect and and what they they deserve. And, you know, so you get in those hard times. Way to get out of it is growth. Try and be humble, and and it took me a few years to to get to that point where I understood truly my role was that it was here for the university, it was for the teammates. It wasn't for me, Damon Duvall. It was for all the guys that were around me in the locker room, and to give them that respect and that I'll earn that respect. That's very true. And notable, notable plays. You had a fake field goal touchdown at LSU. Was that special for you because one in Louisiana To be honest, I think that was special for me for a couple reasons. Not only one, I was born in LSU, and everybody, when I chose Auburn, was, you know, why'd you choose Auburn? Not stay at home. But two, that was actually my first game that I was doing all three jobs. That was the first game that Coach came up to me that, that Thursday and said, our kicker before, I was just funny. We had uh, Rob Barone, unfortunately, um, passed a few years ago in an accident. But that was my first kind of game to, hey, we're putting all the weight, all three jobs on your shoulders. Let's see what you can do. And we've been working on that play all week. And we actually had, earlier in the game, we had, I think, a 23-yard field goal that I thought he thought about calling it and said, no, let's kick this one, make sure what they're going to do. So we went out and kicked that one. Uh, you know, running on that field when he saw that play, I was like, all right, make sure you catch the ball and run as fast as you can. <laughs> and, uh, you know, great snap. Justin Fesco, of course, with a with great flip. Um, we had Heath Evans stealing the, mm-hmm. the edge, and, you know, it, it was easy. And the funny thing I remember, going back, they, they've got a picture from the back view of me going in the end zone, and you see the LSU fans, beer in their hands, all of Yep. <laughs> and then, you know, looking back, that, that was so funny because you don't realize, you know, I was just there doing what we had been working on right. and doing what the coach asked me to, but how big of an impact that play had, not only for us in that game, but for future, you see other teams that pulled the same play right. and, and, and going, um, and that was a huge win for us in the SEC. That, that set us up to, to be able to win the divisional championship um, and, and move forward. And then, um, you know, also from there, leading to Vanderbilt, where we did the same play, but instead of running, we pulled it up through a pass, I believe, to uh, Lorenzo Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I got to throw my first touchdown in, in college. So, being a kicker heading into college one, I never right. thought I'd be able to score a touchdown. And be able to have the opportunity for Stubberville, Riverboat Gambler, you know, he, he allowed us to do a lot of fake punts and goals and, and move around and, and I really, I was proud and happy that I got that opportunity. Uh, that was something I, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to actually be involved in the game as much as I was. 
let's progress forward. Um, there were three games back to back to back that really defined you as not only as a kicker but as a Auburn legend. And I said the Mississippi State game, Andy game, and notably the Florida game. Florida was led by a fish group. Oh, well, that, that whole squad. For you and that team hanging that game with those guys, they were scoring like 40. You the only holding like 13. What was that feeling for you when that ball went in there? And it was, I mean, you hit a miss. I just remember your post game interview. You said just keep it as hard as you could yep. into that win. So, well, very fortunate for me, we we had actually kicked two field goals in that game going that direction. So you know we had the rain, like forty to forty mile per hour mm-hmm. wind from right to left, which worked in my favor being a right footed kicker. And I I actually had a hook on my ball. But I remember you know Daniel Cobb was quarterback driving down. I remember him running off the field. And he shook my hand as we were passing. And, you know, so I just got up there and, and just, what? I know what the wind's doing. Aim a little outside the right post. We're just going to give it a shot and let it ride. And, um, you know, fortunate enough, I, I, we had a good snap, we had a good hold, and kicked it clean. And as soon as it left my foot, and immediately my hands go up. I knew it was good. And I actually talked to a lot of the, the students that were behind the goalpost after the game and said, we thought you missed it. As soon as it came off, it was going right. Then it just kept on mm-hmm. looking back. So uh, I was just, you know, that was the biggest feeling. And again, going in that game, I think we were like a 29-point underdog or something like that. Florida was number one in the country. Steve Spurrier, they're going to go on win another national championship. And, you know, to be able to go out and do that, um, not only for me, it was a great feeling again for our team. And into that week, I truly believe even that was the one time, and honestly, I can say there was probably a lot of Auburn fans that didn't even give us a chance. We knew in the locker room all week, coaches, hang with them. We can hang with them through three quarters to keep it close. We're going to have a chance. And we fought and we clawed and we did it. We stayed with them. We gave ourselves a chance. Um, you know, greatest feeling. Unfortunately, I, I got hauled off by security into the locker room after the game, so <laughs> I didn't get to see all the fans coming on the field and the goalposts getting down. You know, and but again, I think that led on to you know, we we did a lot of great. Things. Actually, cut the goalposts off and sold it for uh, charity and a lot of great things off of. And you know, it was the first time really I got a picture of myself in it, which you know I got to see and still see today all over restaurants and and everywhere. So that that's that's things like that that you know are in the top two of my career. I would yeah. say the nine nothing Alabama game. Probably by far for me personally is still number one. Florida right there, close second, and then the Great Cups all right there. Right. So I, I was very fortunate to be a part of a lot of great games in history. Very fortunate. You also played for great coaches, most notably in the CFL, most notably Don Matthews. Played for Jim Pop, was also the GM. And he played for Mark Trishman. And I personally think that Mark Trish did got a raw deal in Chicago 
but at the same time, playing with him, playing for him for the three years that you played for, how did he change that offense? Why did he change that? You know what? When I first started, I said we'll start with Don. With Don Matthews, probably again one of the Don and Coach Trustman, one of the top two coaches I've ever worked with. But total different end spectrum when it came to coach. Don was the guy came across that stripe, do your job. Once you're off the stripe, have fun, enjoy your life. We know it's stressful. He didn't care if you went late on the ground, late on the bags. You know, I had people every day after kicking. We always did special teams at the beginning. I'd go put on the iPad and, and sit on the dummies and watch practice. Um, but very successful coach, one of the most winningest coaches in the CFL um, and in football history. Um, and then switched to Coach Tressman. Coach Tressman really set a new tone for our whole team. There was no, during warm-up, there wasn't gloves on your face mask, you know. As soon as you stepped on that field, whether it was warm-up, stretch, whatever, you were fully strapped up, ready to go. And, and to see what he could do on a board with X's and O's honestly was mind-blowing for him to be able to take. Because it was a learning experience for him, too, coming from the NFL. Because the CFL is different. You know, you've got an extra player. You've got a bigger field. You've got receivers that can waggle, be hitting the line full yeah. speed. Um, but to see him come in and really transition our team, one of the, the hardest things for him, I believe, is all the veterans. All the Brian Shoes, those guys that have been so used to a Don Matthews led team right. for so many years to make that change. But the players bought in. He just had a way of coming in to, to make you feel and believe that, hey, you follow what I'm telling you and what we do, we're going to be in the Great Cup. We're going to be in the playoffs every year, and you're going to be successful not only this year. And we bought in early. So those three years, we had a great cup all three years. Right. And you actually had a home great cup that year also. That was a loss to Calgary, but that was a game that you were in throughout. Um, but there's one, there's one incident that I wanted to ask you about. Is That was a Don Matthews great cup game. I, I still, to this day, don't understand why what happened or, you know, I don't I, I never understood what, what was that that recourse was. I just want to ask you about that. I mean, I, he's asked you about that. Which is the you talking about? Well, the one where he was, where I think you had missed the field goal and he just came in your face. And I can't remember if it was a bad pun or this field goal, but I just know that there was a lot of back and forth between you guys during that game. Well. The actual lead-up to that was actually from a week before, uh, or a couple weeks before when we played in our uh, our last game of the season. I actually missed out in the Olympic Stadium and missed three field goals um week before. And so there there was some, you know, kind of, you know, this is your job, do your job, or you're not going to be out of here. But the thing about Don was he was a straightforward guy. He was going to get in your face and let you know when he needed to, but then he was going to back up and give you your, your praise and your props when you uh, you know, so I think that was a little carryover from from the week before, just saying, "Hey, basically, get your head out of you know what. Mm-hmm. We're in the Great Cup. We need you. Let's go get it together." And see, I, I like that. You know, I I would rather you be in my face, and tell me what you need, and tell me what you expect of me, and sit back and nod and just shake your head. Do those. 
Um, I believe that's probably what it was what it was from. Um, just you know, hey, we're gonna need you, especially up there. You know, truly the kicking game really is a third or maybe even four of the game up there. It's mm-hmm. a bigger and um, so and loser win a game by field position plays very. And you did redeem yourself in that game. Just so people will know, he did redeem himself in that game. He kicked the kicked the game time field goal with no time remaining. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with Damon Duvall. We're gonna talk more with Damon Duvall and um find out what he's doing nowadays. But we'll be right back.
Welcome back into the Press Box and the, and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. And I do have my co-host and my friend, Mr. Scott Smith, on the line with us. Hey, how, how you guys doing this morning? I'm doing, I'm doing I'm great. Doing pretty good. Doing. And we're here with Damon Duvall. You got any questions for Damon today? I just wanted to say good morning to Damon. I just like listen to you for a little while and uh and it's kinda interesting. Uh, I didn't know that he didn't know that didn't know he played in CFL Damon, uh I from your career offering, but uh it's likely you either play with or against one of my former college teammates when you were in the CFL. Um James Patrick. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember him. He played for Saskatchewan Rough Riders and uh originally played at Stillman College. Yeah, I actually do. Thanks for saying hi. Good to good to have you on. But yeah, I actually do. He's a, a great player, man and that's one of the great things about the CFL, too. There, a lot of people don't realize it, it is a lot of the players there are, you know, ex-NFL guys, uh, guys that are here from from all over the states and playing college here, moving up and, and just keeping the dreams alive and, and enjoy playing. Yeah, absolutely. There's some great players in the CFL for sure. And, yeah, J, JP, uh, he just called me last year. He just, just recently retired. He called me and I asked him, I, I said, man, you were you – were, you're basically a you know a star up there in the CFL. Why you know just last year what happened? He said, well, there's not much use for 33 year old corner. <laughs> so uh, so he, but he he started a training training uh, deal out of uh, Auburn now. So I think he's down down around you guys neck of neck of the woods. And one of the other things that I, that I wanted to ask you about you know, was when you off season. Actually, when I was up there, uh, the great thing about in Montreal, too, was we actually had one of the biggest off-season programs, community programs in the in North. Um, so what we did, we actually had about seven to eight guys. We'd go every week. We'd go to local high schools, local elementary schools, and We'd go in and talk to talk to the kids, and then we'd actually play a basketball game against their school team. Um, so that's I enjoyed one the, the communication, getting the community to give back. But the basketball, and honestly, that's what kept me in shape. And and fortunately, up there as well, we had some indoor places where we could still go and kick, and you know, so you didn't lose all that. But but yeah, I, I give it credit to to going out and playing basketball. That it kept me running, it kept me in shape, and and doing those things. And as much as I wanted to get out and go ski and snowboard and <laughs> and do some of those things, I, I I tried staying away because you know my luck, I, I'd end up getting hurt and and would end the career a lot earlier than it. Was. So last year in the CFL, um, there was a kicker by the name of Grant Shaw. Were you supposed to be just under there? You supposed to figure? I never. Well, going into the season, I wasn't sure either. And you know, the funny, funny thing about that is, uh, I actually was semi-retired the year before. I had moved down, actually down to Auburn, and said, you know, that was it. And I was actually on the golf course at Morris Mill and got a call from the coach that, hey, are you still interested in playing football? Well, I'll definitely listen to the opportunities. There, so let me let me go talk to a few people, and I will give you a call back in a couple of days. And about ten minutes later, he called back and said, "We'd, we'd like for you to come up." And uh, 
So going up, I wasn't sure what it was. Um, you know, the ability to do all three was, was definitely there. And it came down to all three and handle all three. like for you to do all three. So I started off doing all three, and then um, actually season, I ended up getting a kidney stone um, a few hours before the game. That game ended up, I only did the punting and, and kickoffs, and somebody else took over the field goals, and it worked out well, and they kind of stuck with that through the, through the rest of the season. Derek Schiavone. I mean, it, it, it's just funny how things worked out yeah, last year. Yeah, we missed the playoffs. Barely. Mm-hmm. Barely. We were right there. But uh all about sometimes. No, but, but they, that year, they, they were in the building for Ray as a quarterback who um, now is with Toronto. Or shoulder or something. Um, but, you know, again, I, I, I got to play with some guys that were, again, going to be number one ballots in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, so. got there we had there was a lot of good guys around the league you know and especially for me being an American coming in with the ratio um you know it, it was hard for me to luckily I did very well and got to stay um but I would say there if you probably go back I don't know what the stats are in comparison from when I was there to now um but I would definitely say I think you might have a little bit and I think a lot of it's because there's so many changes mm-hmm. um you know, like you said, when I was there, you had the Paul McCallums who was with BC, you know, for years. You yeah. had the Sean Fleming who was with Edmonton for years. Yeah. You know, you had those guys that were stable guys in the organization for years. And I find here the the last few years, you know, you see the turnover. You see you know, Grant Shaw's going from Toronto. Now he's back in Edmonton doing all three. Sandro DeAngelis, Mark Dales, who was Calgary, is no longer the They apparently yeah. coming in. So you see a lot of, you know, trans, transition and going. And, and also this year with them kind of following suit as NFL moving the extra point, the converts yeah. back. Um, so I think the game has involved, evolved a little bit too with the way that special teams ran. Um, but as far as those, I, I think the biggest difference is now you're having a lot of guys that are, are just now, they were the unknowns and now they're becoming the known. Right. Where when I came into the had a lot more. No, I was the unknown. You, everybody else were the knowns that were the, the stables that were there. So I think that's where you're seeing, you know, now those unknowns coming in, making names. And, you know, other, other, other that is a lot of turnover is a generation. 
those guys starting to leave and do other do other endeavors like yourself and um now that you're in now that you're in your post your post playing career, what are some of the things that you're doing now? Um business wise, uh, I was uh and I got into bar and grill business. We actually have uh involved bar and grill that's located at six seventy five Opelika Road in, in Auburn, Alabama, right next to the bowling alley. So if you're in town come check us out, get some good food, cold drinks and watch the game and enjoy. Um, I also have a mobile detailing business called Doobie's Wash. Um, but outside of business, I, I'm I'm a full-time dad. You know, I've got a seven and eight, about to be nine-year-old that just started playing tackle football last year and play soccer and baseball. So, um, you know, I coach all their teams and try and stay real involved in their lives and, and enjoy being a dad and um, you know, and doing different different things as I grow and learn. No, but number one now is best dad I can and having fun. And um, one of the final questions I have for you is one of the final things. Let some of the kids get some advice on on uh, what they wanted. Well, I think the biggest thing from younger kids and especially now in the generation first thought is everybody's going to be a professional athlete um and it's hard to look at a kid and tell tell a kid that the the percentages of you actually being a professional athlete aren't very high because there's so many but you know my number one key just like i tell my boys is you know grades first grades in your school is the one thing that no matter what in life nobody will be able to take care of you take care of your grades you're on the right track. From there, go out and have fun. When you're 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, of course you're going to want to win, but go out and have fun. Enjoy it. Learn the camaraderie, all the different things that you can get out of sports for your future because there, there's so many great lessons, life lessons that you get out of sports. And, and that's what the biggest thing for me was, is you know, learning those life lessons, now turn them into sports that can be over. Because, unfortunately, an average career is three years. So, you know, most people, you figure if you start in high school and go through college, you're putting all those time and all those years in to hope you make it three years. Um, so, you know, really concentrate on sports and being a good and humble person. Um, you know, I truly believe in karma, and I believe that if you're not a humble person, it, it's going to come back and it's going to bite you, and it's going to hit you at the worst time for you. Um, so just go out and enjoy yourself, but work hard. You know, don't. Treat it and help your friends. Do those things. Work together. Be be a, a team player and just respect your elders. Respect the people that are there, giving their time to help you. Because you know most most of the days it's volunteer coaches. You know, so respect the, that they're out giving their time to try and help you and make you a better person and a better athlete. And, and always remember that. And I truly believe that. You know, if you stay humble and. It took me many years to get myself to there through college learning. But, you know, if you stay humble and leave everything you have on the field, that at the end of the day you're going to work out, walk out of there being a better person and and be true to yourself. And there you have it from Mrs. Damon Duvall. Damon, thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for giving me your time and, and letting me interview you and let you, you know, speak your peace.
Guys, uh, you just don't know how, how excited I am to have him here, you know, being one of those top five favorite Auburn players of all time for myself, and he's in my presence. I'm in his presence, and you know, hopefully we get to do this again. Um, we're going to take a quick station break, and we'll be right back with Scott Smith, and we'll be doing the Recruit of the Week and also giving you some scores from Alabama, Georgia, and Texas. Also, we'll have Coach Tanner Blisson of the True Pie Tigers coming on to the show. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
that's mine, I don't wish I climb My old ceilings denied the daytime Arrives, your nightmares confirm My whole tribe's alive We stay fitted for the finish, never ask why Six rays, he's telling me I can't fly My hopes reach for the ceiling with their hands high So understand, got the city on standby Finding a balance in a game that's morally wrong 5 a.m. up in the morning, we ducking the light Earn time through the habits we usually own Saving up, how to spend it on nothing, that's right That's a hell of a night The drag swimming, the aim bringing the same thing Your mind locking, the lames rocking the same thing The bed swinging, the seats clinging the same dream A low limit what the frame brings Low limit what the frame brings We up late again, plotting on the same thing Low limit what the frame brings We up late as hell, plotting on the same thing But hold up, let them picture this no pills, it's still limitless. <laughs> Recouping the true essence, the legends who passed on. Live forever while we reminisce. True precision, I get forever and never miss. Signature sound like signing down on a dotted wish. Seeing signs of you clown rappers on common shit. Trading in your word for green faces and diamond whips. Copping medallions while my people starve. I think the public getting blind to what honesty is. I heard life is stage play a part But we ain't trying to be a part of this comedy biz Cause ain't it funny, I'm holding like no grudges As long as your hoes love it and money just keeps coming Trying to rain on your fire by burning my whole budget A liar, well y'all liars rely on the same subject The drag swimming, the aim bringing the same thing Your mind locking, the lames rocking the same bling The bed swinging, the seats clinging the same dreams uh, A low limit what the frame brings Low limit what the frame brings we up late again, plotting on the same thing. Low limit, what the frame brings. We up late as hell, plotting on the same thing. Plotting on the same. Plotting on the same. On the same thing. Plotting on the same. Plotting on the same. A low limit what the frame brings. A low limit what the frame brings, yeah. A low limit what the frame brings, uh. Applying on the same thing. Yeah. About to get a choir in here. Plotting on the same things. We just plotting on the same things, yeah. Plotting on the same things. We up late as hell, plotting on the same things. Trotting on the same things, trotting on the quest to with a guess, that's what the fame brings. Come and be my guest, you can get blamed, man. Let me get my dragon out the den. Let me maintain the flow as I craft it with my pet. I'm a master with the rap and can't be matched by many men. Cause I passed you when I traveled down the path you've never been. Staying active with this passion, try stack up for the gen. Try snatch for the cabbage, silly rabbit with a spin. I'm a savage, call me Ben. Sending rappers turn to dirty bastards when I have to dip. Instrumentals can get ripped. Shooting lyrics off my men don't make you rap. Get the memo like I'm deadly with the clip That's the semi-automatic You can bet we bring the havoc Load the barrel, let them have it Just be sure to leave your address I'm addressing all the rappers Playing dress up You in the wrong set The thought I tell you The rap game is not a pageant It's tragic Since the young and been busting bum To get out the gutter Avoiding trouble And now I'm buzzing Due to this hunger I'm busting bubbles Waking brothers up from slumbers Now I'm no longer the underdog I'm heating up this summer No more dreaming Only action Me my team gon' make it happen We just scheming, strategizing why you guys are steady napping? Treasure my presence like pirate chess. I'm spitting crack, release the crack. And Kyle moving back. And so I hope you rappers started packing. Hey, uh, 
dead and evicted And even claws know that the boys' bars are gifted We making noise, neighbors might call the boys, they tripping Might leave a sticky note with a message, you just missed the tape We've been working hard, people never stop that hating Only seem to quiet down when Kyle finally elevating Early flights and elevators take me to my destination Seventeen and getting green, but we ain't even met the fame yet Bet, bet, bet it's too much money here. I mean, nobody should be hitting Lotto for $36 million and we got people starving in the streets. That is not idealistic. That's just real. That is just stupid. There's no way Michael Jackson should have, or whoever Jackson, should have a million thousand, drupal billion dollars, and then there's people starving. There's no way. There's no way that these people should own planes and their people don't have houses, apartments, shacks, drawers, pants. I know you're rich. I know you got $40 billion, but can you just keep it to one house? You only need one house. And if you only got two kids, can you just keep it to two rooms? I mean, why have 52 rooms and you notice somebody with no room? It just don't make sense to me. It don't. Welcome back to the Press Box, and this is Jermaine Tailgate Crew. Here online with Mr. Scott Smith. Scott, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great, Jermaine. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Now let's let's jump into some into the recruiter of the week. And who do you have for me this week? Well, I, I, my my recruiter of the week is a guy similar to how we did a few weeks ago when I when I told you about uh George Abayalo when I said he was kind of uh, a, an unheard of guy. And when I sent him out the week later, he got four Division one offers. I had a kid sign with me just yesterday uh, from Gunnersville, Alabama. He's a senior named Jordan Bentley. He's a uh, running back safety, and he's one of the better players in the state of Alabama, but nobody knows him right now because he doesn't have any offers yet. But people will soon. Just last night he had three rushing touchdowns. He had one passing touchdown. He made about 12 tackles on defense from safety, and that's in a, uh, that was in a top-10 matchup of a 5-8 top-10 versus a 4-8 top-10 in North Jackson. Um, the kid in two years prior to last night actually hadn't fumbled. He fought. first fumble in the past two years was just last night. Uh, he's rushed for about 3,200 yards in the past three seasons combined, and he is he is an amazing all-around athlete and player. And here in the next few weeks, we'll be putting him out. Um, I, be, I believe he's a, he's going to be a uh, Division One level safety. Now, a lot of people in, in the area, uh, the Gunnersville area, might might think he's a running back in college. But uh, he he runs uh, runs about about a four six five forty, so not necessarily not necessarily the top end of speed you're looking for a running back. But it's safety. He he has instincts you can't teach. He'll come up and hit you, and he can he can really cover and plays the football well uh, in the air. I think uh, you're going to hear Jordan Bentley. He's going to be a name you're going to hear towards signing day, picking up steam, and uh, he may very well be one of the finalists for the uh, player of the year in the state of Alabama when it's all said and done. And I want you to repeat that name for me again, so that way the view, the, the listeners and the viewers that are going to listen to this and see this on Periscope can know what this name is. Jordan Bentley. He's a, he's a 2016 running back safety from Gunnersville, Alabama. In Gunnersville, I'm actually looking at some of the scores from last week. I'm going to give you some of the scores from last week and from t- last night, actually, and Gunnersville was actually a winner last night, 33-21 to 21 over North Jackson, as you said. Um, Greenville High, 34-13 over Valley. Brooker T. Washington over Jeff, uh, loses to Jeff Davis, 41-8. Tallahassee losing to T.R. Miller, 
1714. And we have um, Bear Bryant High School winning over George Washington Carver out of Birmingham, 14 to 6. Um, this is so so many great games this, this past weekend, especially in the state of Texas and the state of Georgia. Uh, got some great games going on in the state of Georgia with the Florida-Georgia Border Wars. Uh, Tampa playing playing Colquitt County, Mer the Marist School out of Atlanta playing Cocoa, Florida, Cedar Grove playing Hallandale, American Heritage who's who's coached by former Miami cornerback Mike Rumpf, actually coming up and playing they're playing Stevenson tonight, and Godby of uh, Florida is playing Tucker. Uh, so there's a lot of great games going on tonight, and Scott, I want to get your prediction on. The game that's coming up later on today at 3:30, the the FCS showcase game, Montana versus North Dakota State. Yeah, I tell you what, it's an interesting matchup. I actually, now I've got I'm coaching a, a pee wee football team. We've got a game during that time, but I made sure earlier today that I DVR'd it so I can watch it tonight. Um, my I would prediction on that is that it, it should be an entertaining game for those that that aren't familiar with uh, with the new coach at Montana. Uh, Bob Stitt, he recently was, was recently the, the head coach at the Colorado School of Mines um, in Division Two. Uh, very innovative, wide open, out of the box offense. I mean, does stuff that that a lot of people would consider to be almost gimmicky. But it, it, offensively, the probably the most wide open football coach that you will see in, in Division One of any level. Uh, they're going to run more plays per game than any team, including Oregon. They make Oregon look like they huddle. I mean, that's how fast Bob Stitt's offenses play. However, today's going to be a rough one for them because North Dakota State is uh, the real deal. You know, that, that's a football program that there, there's several Division One BCS that wouldn't want to play them, and the ones that have, have have failed to them in the past few years. I know they beat, uh, I believe it was Kansas and Iowa State in the past three or four years. Uh, they are they are a real deal. Uh, so Bob Stitt and, and Montana is probably gonna he's he's worth uh, he, his offense alone is worth watching the game. But North Dakota State's got better better quality and, and better players than Montana. It, it's going to end up being a, a Bison victory, I do believe. Yeah, and to your point, Montana actually is looking for a starting quarterback to go along with their team, whereas. North Dakota State has an established quarterback. They've got some returning starters there, but they're also bringing in a new running back. So with that being said, I really think that this game is going to be better than people think. Um, and, to your, and to your other point, North Dakota State has five straight wins over BCS-level uh, talent. And – most notably, they beat Kansas State by two touchdowns in Manhattan. So, this is a really, really good team. Oh yeah, they are North Dakota State. Their program is on a roll, and uh, even though they're even though they're, the coach that built it went to uh, Wyoming uh, about two years ago, they kind of kept uh, kept it rolling, you know, so to speak. They just kind of picked up and kept moving. So uh, they are, and they are a physical football team. They'll hit you in the mouth, and uh, you know, like I said, Bob Stitt's probably going to do amazing things at Montana. But today, today he might be in, 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 he might have more than he can chew. And I definitely agree. And I, I'm, I'm really excited to see see college football back on on that level again. And uh, woo, 
Hey, Manzuzo's going to be rocking in, in, at 3.30. We're going to jump into some other scores uh, from, from last night. And we're going to start in, start in Georgia in 6A. Uh, Camden County, a winner over Dutchtown, 21-7. Uh, Cockwood County beat Plant, 42-8. to um, Valdosta beat Thomas County Central, 59-35. We go further down, um, further down 6A. Um, Walton beat Marietta forty to nothing. Sprayberry beat Kennesaw Mountain uh seventeen ten. North Gwinnett a winner over North Cobb, uh twenty nine to twenty eight. We look at some other scores. Alpharetta a winner over Milton, that was a rivalry game. Woodstock over Johns Creek, seventeen fourteen. Mill Creek over West Forsyth, fifty one to thirteen. And we go further down in, into into the into the local into the local area. Carver beat Spencer. Carver Columbus beat Spencer twenty-one to seven. Hardaway went to Chattahoochee County and beat Chattahoochee County thirty-three to seven. Central Phoenix City put a hammering on Harris County, and it was Lagrange over Troop thirty-five to seven. North side of Columbus beat Kendrick thirty-five to nothing. Northgate got their got their season started and they won forty five to nothing over Shaw. So it's gonna be some great games in Georgia as we go on and Grayson who is a top ten uh six A school in, in Georgia, they beat Gainesville thirty four to nothing. Mary Persons is a winner over Jackson. And I know that Scott you have some interest in this game. Noonan actually beat Carrollton, and Carrollton is 0-2 for the first time in, I think, about 15, 16 years. They lost to Noonan 34-13. to And we look at some, some scores from Texas, and, and we're at the Tom Landry Classic was last night, and Allen High School, the rich is getting richer there. There's some news of of Allen High School, they actually won last night over Denton Geyer, fifty-five to thirteen. And speaking of Allen High School, they actually will play in the Tom Landry Classic next year against Hoover High School of Alabama. That opens up the season in the state of Texas, and it also opens up the season in the state of Alabama. Two titans of the of their states, Hoover, who's won. Who's won the last four state championships in Alabama? Allen High School, who's won three straight state championships in Texas, and also they have a new quarterback that they're breaking in. It's an Oregon commit, and, and wow, just just to know what that what that team can do, what those teams can do, that's just a lot of fun. So, what do you think of that? Yeah, that, that should be an interesting matchup. You know, Hoover. Hoover has done really well in out-of-state games in the past 10 years, really, really well. I believe last year they lost twice, and it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was their first two out-of-state losses in the in the previous five years. They've, you know, they played several Georgia teams, uh, and, and I think last year they lost to Colquitt County, but they they have uh, they've beaten several Georgia and several Florida teams in the past 10 years. Hoover's out-of-state record is one of the better 
um, nationally as far as uh, versus top uh, consensus top 45 high school football teams. They've beaten they have, they they represented the state of Alabama really well, and I'm sure they'll go out there to Texas. And, and I know Texas high school football is tough, but I imagine Allen High School is going to have their hands full with the Bucks. Yeah, and, and I would agree. And, and Allen will probably have a new quarterback, as as you know, Seth Green, who is a new quarterback, was a transfer from the state of Minnesota who came to Allen um, for a senior year. He's a commit to Oregon. And he had a big game last night. Had uh, four passing touchdowns, and if I'm not mistaken, if I re- if I read that correctly, he had four passing touchdowns. So, Oregon and Allen, the rich just keep getting richer. Yeah, I tell you what, if he, he transferring from uh, from from Minnesota high school football to Texas high school football, that's uh, more than a step up in competition. But obviously, he uh, must have represented himself well last night. And he really did it. And he was an elite 11 quarterback. He was actually a semifinalist this past this past year. So, I mean, just to know what he is as a quarterback and what he brings to the table, he's a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, I think Rivals has him as number four as a dual-threat quarterback. So, and I think he's in the ESPN 300, if I'm not mistaken. So, this is a guy who, who can – really do a lot of good things and could probably play early just like a Felipe Franks who um, from the state of Florida who's going to go to LSU. Um, again, I, that's another name I've thrown out a, a few times. I, I just love the guy's arm, and I know that he's probably going to end up playing early at LSU when he goes there next year. Oh, I'm sure he will. From what I've heard about the LSU quarterback competition, um <laughs> Neither one of the ones that are currently on campus fighting for the job are too impressive. So, have any, you know, any, any high-level QB commit coming in is going to have a chance to play immediately, with, you know, down there with the Tigers. And that's a good point. And we can jump into some into some uh, quarterbacks who are going to make big big moves this year uh, from around the country. And one in particular for me is Deshaun Watson of Clemson. I think coming off an ACL injury, the way that he did and the way that he played throughout the rest of the season with the ACL injury, I think he's going to be one of those players who's going to his stock is going to just go up. And who else would you think would be in that in that situation also? That their stock will go up. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I hate to be a homer, but I'm kind of—I I do believe the guy that the guy that a lot of people don't know his name, so to speak, nationally. Um, even though he, you know, he kind of had a cameo in the bowl game last year. I think the guy that's going to get, which you know, a lot of times when you're Notre Dame's quarterback, you can be overrated. Um, but I think the guy that nobody talks about right now that will be kind of a household name by the mid by midseason is Malik Zaire. Um, I think. I think he, you know, he's been on campus for two years. He's only had one start. He's only got 27 pass attempts in his in his career so far, but he's still been in the system for three years now. Um, I think he's a better passer than people thought. I, he's a, I think he's a better passer than I originally thought when he got to campus, and he's a tremendous runner. But most people, when people talk about and they, when they when the term Notre Dame quarterback is mentioned in a sentence, generally it's former Notre Dame quarterback Everett Golson. You know, that's the guy people talk about, and, I, and Golson was a good quarterback. But Zaire is a guy that not many people are talking about that I think people are going to be talking about by midseason. 
you know, and 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 to your point, I saw I saw some of the highlight videos of him um, from the spring game and, and things of that nature, and he does have a dynamic arm. I don't think it's it's as strong as, as he would like it to be, but it's a strong arm nonetheless. I also think that he's a better runner than than people think, like you said. So, for me, the over under for the over under for me is that it could be very possible that you could see Notre Dame battling for a playoff position, even though their schedule is, is ACC based and things of that nature. It's going to be very difficult for them to. I don't know. Should I use the word emulate what they did a few years ago? Well, yeah, 2012. I mean, I would say honestly, my opinion is Notre Dame's got more talent this year than it did in 2012. But I, I believe, you know, and I, I'll tell you this: I had a few weeks ago, I had hopes that that Notre Dame would would uh, be able to contend for playoff spot. Um, but the one place that Notre Dame could not afford to have any attrition, that they don't, the one place they don't have depth is on the defensive line. Past three weeks, they've lost defensive tackle Jaron Jones to a season-ending injury. And defensive end, Eshaq Williams, who was one of the kids that was suspended for academics last year, 6'5 and a quarter, 285 pounds, he applied to the NCAA for a waiver to play to be reinstated this year. He was denied last week. So the one place they couldn't afford any attrition, they've lost two experienced guys. Um, inside at the no at the, at the one technique at play the four four two five the, the one technique they're going to play at the defensive tackle they're going to be playing a true freshman and a true sophomore that got basically ran over last year when he had to play against USC I I think that not losing those two defensive linemen knocks Notre Dame from being a playoff contender to nine or ten wins I think they'll still be a good team they're going to be offensively they're going to be a handful to deal with I'll go ahead and tell you I think. I think anybody that plays them is going to have their hand full. And the secondary will be really good. But the defensive line, you can't cover that up and hide that. When you play somebody like a Georgia Tech that's going to run that option and they're going to run away with block, it's going to be hard, you know, to uh, to run freshmen out there and sophomores out there, guys with no experience. Um, I, I, re- I, I think if they wouldn't have lost those two defensive linemen, playoffs were a possibility. But now I've kind of – Dim that down to you know. I think ten wins might be the ceiling for them this year. You know, with the new news that I just heard from you, I tend to I tend to agree with you. But I, I think they can squeak out a couple more wins if the ball rolls right for them. I think that that well, that's with everybody. But I think that they could be a ten, eleven win team. I I definitely think that they they're that they're there physically, but they just need that one or two extra players to. Or one or two players with experience to be the best Notre Dame team. You're, you're in the game. The one good thing for them, and I kind of believe is, I believe the toughest game on the schedule is at Clemson in Week Four. I believe Clemson's not going to necessarily line up and cram it down your throat. So the defensive line in that game, being young and a little light in the butt, so to speak. I don't think I don't think I think that's that's for that's one that they actually have a chance because that Clemson that's that's the toughest as far as opponent on the road uh, you know as far as dealing with early in the season at Clemson and home against Georgia Tech I think both of those will tell the tale towards where they're going to be headed and so it'd be fairly early in the season we'll be able to tell a little bit I believe 
I definitely agree with you. And, Scott, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Coach Tanner Glisson of the True Pie Tigers. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back into the Press Box. My name is Jermaine, and welcome to the Tailgate Crew. 
on the line with us, I have Mr. Scott Smith, and also I have the coach of the Tupac Tigers, Coach Tanner Glisson. Coach Glisson, how you doing today? Hey, Jermaine, how you doing this morning, man? Good, and as I understand, it was a hard luck loss for for the Tupac Tigers last night, thirty-five to seven over those guys, over those guys over there. Yeah, it was, it was. Uh, yeah, we 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 think better morning, but uh, but we're right back at it this morning, uh, trying to get a game plan in, trying to trying to look back and see what we did uh, last night, what we did good, what we didn't do so good, and uh, and trying to get a game plan going. But uh, hats off to uh. The coach Burks and that, that crew over at Lagrange, uh, they they played a good football game last night, and uh, we we had some chances. We we had some, we left some things out on the table in the first half uh, that that you know I knew at halftime that you don't get many chances in a ball game to make big plays, and uh, we left about three or four opportunities out on the table last night in the first half that might could have changed the game a little bit. Um, uh, we we were we were down a couple guys last night. Uh, Running back Matt Bonner was uh, suspended uh, for team violations uh, for the first half, and uh, so that was kind of a big deal for us. And then we never got in a good rhythm in the second half, and never could gather some momentum. But but uh, the, the sun came up this morning, and uh, and and you know what? I, I think I said this last week on the show, Jermaine. We watched a lot of film on Lagrange last year in year one, Coach Birch and those guys, and then now and seeing where they are in year two, and that's what we hope to be in year two as we move this thing forward. And I understand that, and I understand and, you know, me not being there, but my nephew was there, and he was saying that he just loved the fight that, that the Chupai Tigers gave. There was no give up in the team last night, and that was the one thing that he said he was proud about. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I think that's what the majority of our, our, our troop uh, alumni and the troop family wants to say. They want to see, see kids compete, not have any quit in them. And I, and I tell you, the big thing that we're doing this morning is we're we're, we're before we even get started on Northgate, we're we're reviewing our film and we're looking at every single play to see, you know, did a kid take a play off? You know, who play who's playing hard, who's not playing hard, and trying to make some tough decisions and have some accountability on kids for for not giving extreme effort. And the one other thing you know about that game is that you didn't give up too many yards, you didn't give up too many big plays, from what I understand. And it was just, it was just the opportune times, you know, there was mistakes made. But other than that, from what, like, from like I said, from what my nephew told me, it was just a well played game. Well, we, we, we had a couple things. We kind of had a little bend, but don't break in us uh, defensively in the first half. Um, they they got a couple of tall receivers, a couple of six four guys matched up on one of our freshman corners uh, last night, um, and, and got a deep ball for a touchdown on him. And then they got another corner who's a junior um, that's, that's about five nine. That they got another big receiver matched up on, and he actually hit two long passes on him. And he was actually in pretty good position, just didn't make a play. And their guys went up, made a play, and we did not. And uh, so uh, the first half defensively, we were fine, we were okay. Uh, and then what happened, I think, Jermaine, is we kept throwing that defense out there time and time and time again. And and you've got to get some momentum offensively to rally your defense as well. You know, and, the, and that's one thing that, that a lot of people don't understand. When, you, when you're going three and out and you're, and you're having to throw your defense back out there, I mean, they get tired. And with a team with an offense like 
like Lagrange runs, you know, you don't have the depth that you should have. I mean, things like that are going to happen, but like I said, the fight was there, and I and and now my heart was in that game the whole way through for for the Troop Tigers. You know, being a former Troop Tiger myself, but it just they just ball just didn't roll our way last night. So well, on well, to the I, next week. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I tell you, Jermaine, I mean, sometimes you just got to tip the cap and say, hey, we got to put a seat. And, uh, and 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 we'll have that we'll have that game marked 365 days from yesterday, and and and, and you know I know we got to suck it up and and, and they get rock, walk around with a chest boat out for a year and that, and hats off to them for that. Um, but but if we're sitting here and we got the same type of football team that we got right now, then we hadn't done our job. And I think you'll see a marked improvement. And uh, and and you know we're going to remain positive. We know what we're the hand we're dealt this year, and we're going to remain positive. And uh, and I tell you something else. Uh, that number three they had last night, he was a difference maker. Uh, Perion's a good football player, and uh, and we had a hard time getting him on the ground last night. And, uh, and and they had a good they executed their uh, game plan good and uh, and like I said I think you just got to give hats off to them we got to go back to work we take you know take it on the chin it ought to hurt it hurts anytime it's a rivalry game and and we don't like it not one bit but uh but now you got to pick yourself back up and go back to work and that's true and I'll give you some scores from around the region um, last night Noonan over yep. Carrollton thirty four to thirteen and that that's a shock to me because Carrollton's zero two for the first time in over ten years. Well, 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 let me let me stop you right there. That's also a team that Lagrange looked pretty good against too, as well. Uh, Noonan team, and uh, so so you know Lagrange went up against Noonan in a, in a scrimmage game and, and 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 won that scrimmage game, and then Noonan goes up there and puts it on Carrollton pretty good. So uh, so that that can kind of give you a little telltale sign about some things right there. Definitely so, definitely so. And Drew over Fayette County, forty-six to twenty-one. Uh, Sandy Creek was a loser last night to Jonesboro, seventeen to fifteen, and Whitewater yeah, yeah, put that, up seventy. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that that was that, the Sandy Creek deal was a, was a, a shocker. Uh, I was I was I was real surprised by that. Um, you know, you, we all know what we get from Sandy Creek, so I, I I wouldn't. If you're at Sandy Creek, you're not striking the fire alarm right now. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're gonna bounce back from that, just like Callaway bounced back from LaGrange and, and, and went and got best the other night. Uh, those type of programs are just going to bounce back right now. This is true. And Whitewater over, over local rival Stars Mill, 71-21, to 21, and Woodward over Decatur, 34-6. to 6. This this is this region, guys, again, 5-4-A in the state of Georgia is probably the toughest region in the state of Georgia. Sure. For that reason, I mean, anybody can beat anybody on that given day. Yeah, yeah there, there's no doubt about that, Jermaine. There's no doubt. Uh, I mean, that region is tough. But look, I'm gonna tell you this now: this not you take these, this this non-region schedule that we're playing, and you put Lagrange, Callaway, Harris County, Carver, Columbus, and Northgate, and you put them in a region, and, and, and our non-region could be a, could be one of the toughest regions alone if you just put those teams in. Um, I mean, so this is this is a very very challenging schedule, and uh, and there's no doubt about it. And uh, so we're gonna really, you know, if we show Martin improvement, it's because we earned it. It's not gonna be because anybody gave it to us. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and and it just goes to show that no matter what you do, I mean, Troop has Troop has a very favorable schedule, being that three of those four games are at home. Uh, 
You're on the road to Northgate next week. No, actually, and actually we're at home at home next week. Yes. Oh yeah, at home. Yeah, that's yep. right. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right, and I, I just think that there's a lot of things. Uh, the ball's gonna, gonna start rolling for for the Tupac Tigers and as as the season progresses and as everybody starts gelling together. There's there's no I, way but up for these guys, and I just hope that that we that we can play up to the potential that we have on that team. Well, I, I think so, and and we're right now offensively, uh, we're looking how can we get the ball in our playmakers' hands. We've got two or three playmakers on offense that have got to touch the ball more in, in certain situations, and we and, and we got to figure out how up front we can fix a lot of problems as far as getting some people blocked. And uh, and so you know if we figure those things out you know offensively I think we're gonna be okay uh, defensively right now we're just gonna have to play with extreme effort uh, if you if you run our defense out there right now talent wise it's not gonna match up with some of the guys we got to go play against uh, like Perion last night like Holyfield at Woodward Academy uh, and you can go on and on and on with some, with some good players we're gonna play against but so we got to play like a hair's on fire and we're not we're just we're, you know, we're not doing that every single play right now, and we've got to get to that point. And we also got to get some momentum from our offense because our defense will feed off of that momentum as well. And that was Coach Tanner Glisson of the True Power Tigers. And, you know, one of the other things that, that we, we we failed to, to talk about is that, you know, your coaching staff has these guys ready and, you know the executions all the executions always got to be there, and you know sometimes it sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. It just depends on on the day and and everything. So, but I I think that everything, like you said, is going to come back, and we're going we're going to be fine, and we're going to find those playmakers. We're going to find those those players who who can be who can be players and. You know things of that nature. Well, and that's it, Jermaine. And uh, you know nobody likes to talk about patience, but it's going it's to require a little bit of patience from the from the Troop Nation this year to to, to stay with us and and to, and to uh, watch us go through some of these growing pains, but not just to totally jump off the bandwagon because there's going to come a day where everybody's going to want to get back on that bandwagon. And, uh, and we just got to stay the course and, and, and keep coaching them. And uh, the, the players' attitudes are great. We got a lot of great kids. I'm talking about I am highly impressed with the type of character type kids we have. Uh, what we have actually done uh, is even raise the standard even higher than what we thought we could raise it. I mean, in the classroom and other places. I mean, we are – we are, are are zoned in on these guys for the minute little bitty things in their lives uh, that that they are doing that they need to they need to clean up and, and so to speak and, and and I just mean taking that bar from where it was and, and raising it even higher and then can't say enough about the kids in our program so it, it's going to get done and uh, it's just going to take some hard work and, and it's going to take a little bit of time. And Coach Gilson, could you please repeat uh, who we have next week and um... It's a home game. And yes, it is. A, it is a home game next week. We have Northgate. Um, Northgate's coming in here at seven thirty, Callaway Stadium on Friday night, uh, and they beat uh, Shaw last night. They beat Veterans down there, uh, down there in uh, Houston County, I guess that is down around Warner Robins. They beat them in a scrimmage game, and uh, and and so they're they're feeling good. This is one of uh, Coach Walburn 
former uh, troop head coach. Uh, this is one of his better teams. Uh, he's been pointing to this year for, for several years. They are led by a middle linebacker who is committed to Clemson, a uh, good football player. Um, and, and they're going to be good. They're going to be tough to handle. They're going to come in here and they're going to run that wing tee and, and they're going to do it right. And uh, and they'll jump in the spray a little bit and do some things right there. And uh, and it, we we got a we got a challenge on our hands. Um, you know they 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 very well may be better than the team we played last night. And uh, and so we got to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. And that was Coach Tanner Glisson of the Troop High Tigers. Good luck to you next next Friday. And I'll be sure to be there because I want to see I want to see the Troop Tigers win the game for me and see those guys shine. Coach, we'll thanks, that, for being thanks for having me on. All right, and, we'll, and um, matter of fact, hold on for me. I'm gonna uh, jump on the line with you in just a second. But we're gonna take a yes, quick sir. break, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back into the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. And we also have Scott Smith online with us. Scott, how you doing today? No, I'm doing doing great. Enjoying listening to the, the, the football talk and enjoying being part of the show, man. And I understand that you're coaching the football team and street and your son Street is actually a football actually a football player oh, in that team. What position does he play? He's a fullback. We run the wing tee and he's uh I've always joked with him and called him a midget. Uh, and we got up here, and he ends up being my third biggest and third fastest player. So I can't call him a midget anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a, a, an interesting endeavor because um, I've never coached below high school. I've all I've co- I coached seven years of high school before I started this recruiting service. And then uh, I was asked to to, to coach this uh, Gunnersville C team, which is uh, five, six, seven year olds. And I'm going to tell you, it's been an experience, Jermaine, uh, that I can't even describe. Uh, it's been a joy, but it's also been a learning curve for me because first day I told them to line up and stretch and to put their left foot over their right foot and to stretch. About half of them didn't know which one was their left and their right. <laughs> so it's been, uh, yeah, it's been interesting, but it's been a joy. And that, that's very that's very great and very understandable. And it just seems like it's very fulfilling for everybody to uh, to see kids grow up, and you know, you coach the kids from from the ground level, and see them grow up and be men. I I would just love to be a part of doing something like that. Yeah, yeah I tell you what, it is. Uh, it's a it's kind of a, it's a special experience. Uh, it's, it's something that I I've never really had an interest in coaching kids that young, but I'll tell you what, I'm very glad I did it because it kind of shows you the joy of the game. Uh, and the joy that kids have in general. Um, <laughs> I got a funny story from we played last Saturday. I had one of the kids uh, on the sideline uh, went, went to get him, and I told him, I said, uh, I said, Elijah, we need you to go in and defensive tackle. Well, he, he had already found my sunflower seeds that I had left on the bench, chewing them, holes and all. And he looks at me and he says, no, nah, Coach, I, think, I don't want to go in the game. I think I'm just going to sit here and eat these sunflower seeds. Do you want some? <laughs> And hey, listen. There's nothing you can do about nothing you can do there but laugh. That, 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 in the middle of a football game, I'm laughing my tail off because this kid's just grinning from ear to ear and said, "No, nah, I don't want to go in the game. I want to stay over here and eat these sunflower seeds." <laughs> so it's interesting, but it is a joy. That that is epic. And if I was in high school and I actually did that, I probably have to run around the stadium. For the next hey, that's, few years. Hey, that's exactly right. When I when I coach high, a lot of things these kids do that when I coach high school would have been not been would have not been acceptable. With these kids, it's it's you know it's just a it's a different different level and it, it's been an adjustment for me because a lot of times I want to make them do up downs or run to run to the tongues hang out and I can't <laughs> because uh, you know, right. the age. But it's been interesting to teach them the basics of the game. You know, when you coach high school. You're doing a lot of schematics, and while you're doing a lot of teaching, you're also doing a lot of scheme stuff. You're doing a lot of uh, more in-depth football-related stuff as far as a broad, a broad uh, scope of things. Well, at this age, you're, we're, we're doing a lot more of uh, the basic fundamentals of, of just blocking, you know, getting your hands on somebody, extending your arms, driving your feet without you leaning over too much, blocking and blocking and tackling. I mean, that's half our practice, and it, it's uh, it's kind of you know, it kind of shows you where. Where, where where the fundamentals start at? Well, you know, kids. When you see a good football player in high school, uh, a lot of times he's probably taught the fundamentals at a, at a young age. So you kind of get an appreciation for 
for youth football coaches nationwide. And uh, and you do like you say you do get an appreciation for for a lot of the coaches and and as we as we progress on and we uh, evolve, things sort of happen on a grander scheme where you learn different things, you learn different techniques, you know. But the fundamental stuff, the elementary stuff, is always going to be a part of that. That's right. Blocking and tackling. Hey, between any football game, you got to block and you got to tackle. Now, you might do some things where you, you, you may do some, some things you do on the collegiate level, the high school level, to win you some games as far as speed and athletes and that kind of deal. But without blocking and tackling, nobody wins at any level. So, yeah, you're 100% right. It kind of goes throughout. And speaking of, speaking of some of speaking of fundamentals, blocking and tackling, some of your recruits, uh, give me an update on some of your recruits. Uh, Dalton Hyatt, how did he do last night? And uh, Well, uh, I'm not sure. Dalton, Dalton's stats, I'm not sure how he did. They, they lost 37-14. I went to Dalton's first game. Uh, he's uh, unfortunately for him, he's uh, not. He doesn't have the most talent in the world surrounded him. He's got a uh, got a little bit of uh, got a, a lot of receivers that run five flat forties. He's got uh, a, a running back that runs about a five flat forty, and he's playing in six A. So Dalton's uh, he's gonna, it's going to be a long year, but it's going to be you know a year where he'll he'll have the chance to develop his uh, you know be show people uh, his leadership, and he'll also have to. Uh, last year he stayed in the pocket, made a lot of throws with some of the athletes they had. This year he's going to have to be more a little bit of a Johnny Manziel run around and playmate kind of deal. But uh, I think he struggled a little bit last night. I, I got a lot. Several other guys did well. I had a uh, Pleasant Grove, which is a school out of Birmingham that played for the six A, uh, the five A state championship last year. One of my schools I worked with, and uh, they uh, actually they won last night. I, I, I can't recall the score. I, I believe they won. Uh, they scored they won twenty-seven nothing or something like that over someone, but uh, they they have four very good players that I work with. One of them is a running back named Brandon Simmons, and he is a he is uh, rated one of the top hundred players in the state by by uh, AL dot com and well, by Scout dot com. I apologize. And then uh, actually, what may very well be my best the best high school football player that I have in the two, class two thousand sixteen that no, that nobody talks about is a kid named Sean Brown from Pleasant Grove, and he recently got offered by Southern Miss after we sent him out. Sean is 6'3", 285-pound, offensive guard, defensive tackle. And what's special about Sean is he has he moves like a 250-pound kid. I mean, this guy this guy is a tremendous athlete to weigh 285 pounds. And like I said, his name is Sean Brown, class 2016. He's probably going to end up being an SEC-level level prospect. He just got off by Southern Miss, but nobody knew who he was until recently. Um, but he is a special athlete. And uh, like I said, he he uh, he, um, he had a really good night last night. I believe he said he had seven tackles, uh, four for ta- four tackles for loss. Um, but Pleasant Grove overall is an excellent football program with several college players. Um, and then, like I, I mentioned earlier, Jordan Bentley that just signed up with me this week, he had uh, four total touchdowns last night and 12 tackles on defense, pretty much won the game. He's a heck of a football player. I haven't had the chance to check and see statistically what all my guys did last night, but um, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that here shortly. And speaking of Pleasant Grove, they play in Region 5 and 5A. They were actually a winner over 6A center point, 35 to nothing last night. So yeah. 
Yeah, that, that, yeah, I knew they, they stepped up, and I tell you what, that's a talented, talented football team. Um, they uh, they kind of run into a buzzsaw last year. They got to the state championship game, and they got St. Paul's out of Mobile, which is a private school that is a traditional stud. And St. Paul's beat them like 35-13 to 13 in the state championship game. But Pleasant Grove has predominantly their entire team back this year. And I, I would be shocked if they are not a semifinalist, finalist yet again in 5A. And I would I would definitely agree with you. And you know, five A six A, there's really no there's really no difference between the schools except for the sizes. And you have a lot of schools that could step up and play in six A and could step down and play in five A and still be just as good as they were in the in their respective classes. So I just think that there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of parity in five A and six A. Oh, yeah. Well, and here's one thing I always tell people about class, classification. It matters a little bit. And when I say that, I mean it doesn't matter. For instance, okay, I mentioned Dalton Hunt, A-Rev 6A. All right. Also, I also work regularly with Madison Academy, who's a 3A. Madison Academy would beat A-Rev like they stole something. <laughs> I mean, you know, so classification matters, but if you have good football players, you can play. Oh, you can play with anybody. Uh, six, the, the, the uh, probably the best team in the state of Alabama, and I say this with all due respect to Hoover, may be Clay Chalkful, who is a six eight. Hoover seven eight, Clay Chalkful six eight. In my opinion, Clay Chalkful, well, Hoover's the only team in the state that might could beat Clay Chalkful. Like last year, last year Hoover played Prattville for the seven eight title, and I work re- I work regularly with uh, Prattville. I had four guys from Prattville last year that were seniors that played that game, and honestly, Clay Chalkful would have beat Prattville by three or four touchdowns. So, Clay Chalkwell was a 6A champion. You know, and again, St. Paul's in 5A. St. Paul's could, could play. They could play in 7A and beat a lot of 7A teams. So, classification matters to an extent, but good football players are good football players. And I definitely agree with you on that. And it, it's such, I'm, I'm looking at some of the scores as of right now from, from last night, and uh, look at Hoover. They played Manatee High School out of Florida. They beat them 42 to 21. Prattville won over Stanhope Elmore 35 to 12. Central Phoenix City, of course, I, I gave you that that score earlier. But they beat Harris County, which is a top 10 team in in Georgia in 6A. I'm sorry, 5A. They beat them 45 to 6. Um, you know, this is. It just goes to show you, like you said, I mean, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. Coleman well, went to Etowah and won 31-6. to So, and then Arab beat, and then uh, Madison County beat Arab. I tell you what, I saw 30-6. Coleman. I saw Coleman in the opener against Arab. Coleman is a really good football team. Now, they're not going to contend for the 6A title. They're probably, they're probably going to be something like a quarterfinalist. But they're one of the better North Alabama 6A teams. They don't have a lot of speed, but they're very, very physical. I mean, they they got some guys that eat pinto beans and drink drink buttermilk. <laughs> they get after. It. I mean, they will hit you in the teeth. They're not real big. I mean, they're not real uh, fast though. They're, that's where it's going to get them. When they play an Oak Lake or somebody like that, speed's going to beat them. But Coleman's a good football team that you can keep an eye on in the playoffs. They can beat. They can knock off some teams. I don't think they can win the state title, but I think they can compete. And give me some more scores from North, from North Alabama. Hewitt Trustville over over Gardendale, thirty nine thirty four. Bessemer over Shades Valley, twenty four seventeen. Vestavia over Homewood, forty one to seven. 
Again, Clay Chalkville, as you said, 49-15 of a minor. St. Clair County actually beat John Carroll Catholic High School 39-14. Uh, McAdory over Holt 41-16. Uh, Gaston and Oxford played last night. Gaston winning that game 41-19. Then, of course, the big one around this area, Opelika beat Auburn High School 31-30. Yeah, up like Auburn. I heard that was a that was a terrific ending. Uh, uh, I heard that uh, the, the quarterback for Opelika led them on a, a last minute drive to beat them, and I, that would have been a great atmosphere to be at. Uh, knowing the Opelika Auburn rivalry over the years, uh, in my lifetime, a lot of the games haven't been close one way or the other. I imagine last night's game was pretty special. Yeah, I would imagine that too. Um, I didn't get to see the highlights on that game, but I'm pretty sure that that was a great game. To, to be a part of. Um, moving on to other scores, uh, BC Rain, BC Rain over Satuma, thirty-five to nineteen. Saint Paul uh, beat Saint Stanislaus, Stanislaus, fifty-one to twenty-eight. Um, big upset last night. Well, for me, it was a big upset, uh, knowing the history of of Anderson High School. Hanley actually went up to Anderson and beat Anderson uh, last night. So, who was that? Hanley. Hanley. Oh, wow! Yeah, that's a shock, shocker to me. So I, they say it goes to show that a lot of, a lot of these great schools, you know, with the with the history that they have, I mean. You just never know. That's true. I'll tell you one, one score I'd like to throw out there. I know we had mentioned it, and I have to. Uh, I, I'd like to give my kind of give my brother a family shout out, so to speak. My brother is the defensive coordinator at Chambers Academy, and uh, AISA uh, play last night, region play. Chambers Academy beat Cornerstone forty-two to twelve, and my brother's defense didn't allow a first down until. They, they're not allowed a first down with the starting defense. The, they put the junior high defense in later in the game. So I want to give a shout-out to my younger brother, Matt Smith, at Chambers. Coach Jason Allen over there, they're looking good, obviously, early in the season. But uh, I, I was glad to hear that, that uh, my, 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 my younger my younger sibling had a, he had a uh, nice night last night. So I just wanted to throw that shout-out there. Special – and, uh, again, that's a special, special thanks to you, Scott, for that and – Matt, congratulations on on the great defensive effort for your team. And getting back, the Hanley score over Anderson was fourteen to six. Hanley has terrific defense. Hanley has mm -hmm. a terrific defense this year. And, and and Coach Strain just came in. Uh, he's previously at Woodland. He he just came in. He took one took one year job at White Plains and up up close to Anderson. And then he came back to Hanley. Coach Strain, I worked with him before. He is a very, very good football coach. You're going to see Hanley, Hanley back in the state championship scene here in the next few years. I would be willing to bet you. I would, I would be inclined to agree with you. Um, we're running a little short on time tonight, but um, some other score, some other scores real quick from around the area. Lafayette beat Losa Polka 39 to 22. Publishville um, over at Holy Spirit. 34 to 12, Cusa Christian 
It was a loser to Winterboro High School, 44 to nothing. Uh, Fayetteville, a winner over Central Central of Coosa County, 31 to 30. Pickens County, a winner over Greensville, over Green, Greensboro Public High School, 24 to 22. So, a lot of like I said, a lot of great games across the state of Alabama. A lot of great games across the state of Georgia. And in Texas, and there also, um, Midland, Midland, uh, Keller beat Midland 35-28. Uh, Allen over Denton Geyer 48-16. Uh, yeah, Conference Justin, the winner over Pflugerville Hendrickson 12-9. Capel, winner over Louisville Hebron. Uh, Dallas Skyline, who was a semifinal, excuse me, he was a semifinalist last year in uh, 6A Division One. They actually went and played uh, South Grand Prairie uh, last night and won 23 to 12. And Canatillo, who was the was a surprise of 5A last year, Division One semifinalist. Um, they actually were a loser last night over El Paso Franklin, 21 to 20. And special shout out to Mr. Damon Duvall again. If you'd like to like to check out this spot, Duvall's Bar and Grill, 675 Oak Road, Auburn, Alabama. And special thanks to Damon Duvall for being a part of the show. Special thanks to Scott Smith for being a part of the show. And just great things going on today. Got. Uh, Good luck on your game today with your son. Can't call him Thank no music no more. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's a, he's, he's now uh, a giant midget, apparently. I didn't, I didn't realize that until now. <laughs> but I sure appreciate it, Jermaine. You're welcome, and hopefully we'll be back. Hopefully we can be we'll be back on next week, and we'll be talking more football. We'll be talking week one, and um, next week we'll be um, again talking with Coach Glisson and. About about the Troop Tigers as they play uh, Northgate High School, um, and uh, also we're talking to Scott Smith with the recruits of the week, and he'll give an update on of of his uh, son's team, and um, be very happy to to update that. But next week, seven days away, seven days away from the beginning of college football season, and very excited about that. And we'll have some predictions also. So, um, Scott, any shout-outs you want to give before we no, head No, I just, hey, you know what, listen, if you just sit chills down my, down my arms when you said seven days away. All I can think, and I don't do this very often, I try not to be a homer, but all I could think when you were saying that is go Irish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see, we got about a minute before, before the end of the show. I just want to give a shout-out to you, Scott Smith. Um, special thanks to Damon Duvall for being a part of the show. Um, Wendy, my admin. Terrence, T-Rex, my man. Uh, thanks for being in my corner. Scott, thanks for being a part of the show. And check out Scott. His YouTube page is street, streetlightrecruiting.com. Streetlight Recruiting. Check him out on live, streetlightrecruiting.com. Check him out on, on Facebook, Streetlight Recruiting. So uh, with that, 
say thank you to everybody for being a part of the show. And have a good week. Where are you going to go ours?